This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Hello. Good morning, good morning. It is two minutes past the hour of nine o'clock on this gorgeous second day of summer. You are on 3 R. This is Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxhall. I'm Dr Beach. And you're now on. And now you may be able to hear <laughs> my voice. My name is Dr Beach. This is speaker one, not three, I think. We just worked out we which mic you're on. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we're, welcome. We're damn smooth here. Welcome. To Radio Marinara on 3RRR 102.7 on your FM dial. It's been a while since I've been in this fair studio, month it, or so. It, it's been, yes, both of us. In fact, I, it's been, gosh, a couple of months. I've spent six weeks in Europe since the last time I was in this studio. So mm-hmm. it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It has indeed. Well, welcome back to the studio before both of us this morning. <laughs> and we have one hell of a show. In fact, we have to get going because it's so packed we'll never get through it all. <laughs> but we will, we're not going to rush because oh, that's, okay. you, you don't want oh. lying in bed just getting True. out from under the doona on a Sunday yeah, morning. I love the you, way you, you pulled it back you, there. You don't want to <laughs> listen to frenetic radio. <laughs> you want to be, be eased into the day. Calm down. And, of course, we've started with... You know, the the doyon of breakfast radio himself, Mr Timothy Thorpe. The man who, in a way, has redefined the complete and utter package meaning of what it is to do breakfast radio. The man who brings you that relaxed entry to the day that I almost ruined then. <laughs> by, by then you pulled me by, back, Dr Beach. By banging, banging on about it too much. <laughs> He's, um, we, we love Tim and thank you, Tim. Once again, a beautiful show. Yeah. Um, what, what are we doing this morning, Ath? Just about everything. Um, now, Terry Allen is going to join us. It's, it's our, that our time. Dive reporter, yep. Our dive reporter. Our very own dive reporter. It's that time of the year, start of summer. Now, Terry's in, probably about to head into a cave 
in Mount Gambier. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to try and catch her, hopefully, before she actually enters the cave. Um, and we're going to talk about, well, frankly, really, whatever Terry feels like talking about. Uh, may- maybe the fact that Mount Gambier is no longer the ice, ice capital of Australia. I, I read that. I, I, gosh, I, gosh, you're up with things, aren't you? I didn't realise yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't know it had been. Um, and then a little later in the show, and we've got a bunch of news. You've, you've got some fantastic... But, but, but perhaps we should get back to Terry. I mean, she's, she's going to be talking about diving. She well, is she will. The, she will yeah. She's talking about diving. But I, what I don't know is, she, is you know, because, you know, Terry, will she either talk about cave diving, be a summer diving, I, I think she's doing a bit of instruction over there. She's, she's sh- helping people. But, but All let, kinds of stuff. She'll, she'll tell us. Um, and then about half past nine... Uh, Rebecca McIntosh and Ross Holmberg from the Phillip Island Nature Reserve will join us in the studio. They, if you are a regular listener, way, 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 way back in May, it does feel like a long time ago, they came on the show and we launched Seal Spotters. It's a citizen science seal app. Mm-hmm. And anyway, six months down the track, thought we'd check in, as we said at the time, check in, see how things are going how Seal Spotters has taken up and there's some very interesting results coming in. So they'll be live in studio. Uh, what else are we doing? Oh, whales. Whales. Like we've got Dave Donnelly. Our, um, well, he's not, he's not ours. We, we can't really claim we him as ours, but, but, want, but, but he comes in every yeah. now and then and, and you know, as often as we... Feel like, really? Well, well not quite that, I was going to say. He's, <laughs> he's really generous with his time. He's fantastic. So he's going to talk to us about the, the many... Um, whale strandings that we've heard about, unfortunately, recently. New Zealand, Australia, um, pilot whales, the odd humpback whale. There's a pattern. Is there? Well, I don't know. That's what Dave's going to talk to us about. Okay. Mm. And then I'm, if there's any time left, I want to um, talk about a fancy new research ship, which is in in process of construction at the moment. It's going to be um, launched, I guess, in 2021. It's called the REV. Um, research exploration, research expedition vesicle. Um, no, I don't think it's going to be a vesicle. It's a, no, it's, uh-huh. it's a vessel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not um, cell biology. Uh, so, yeah, five hundred million dollars from Norwegian Fisheries and Oil ty- Tycoon. Um, looks pretty yeah, fancy. It's got, it's got a couple of helicopters. <laughs> it's got it's one. got all sorts of stuff on it. I'm looking forward to talking about this at the end, if we have time. If not, I'll talk about it next week. Um, we'll uh, we'll find time. Yeah, Let's we will that. find time. We'll get lots of time in there. Hey, um, you're going to do the weather? Yeah, today is... Um, it's, it's considerably cooler than it was yesterday. Yesterday got up to, um, well, low 30s, didn't it? And it's only Did going it? to be 18 degrees today. Um, maybe a slight bit of rain. We had some rain coming through. Nice rain band coming through overnight. Many of you would have noticed when you get up this morning. The streets are wet. Sunshine is now coming out, but it's... Um, yeah, very high chance of rain in the early morning. Then we've had that. And then slight chance of a shower for the rest of the day. Chance of a thunderstorm in the early morning. Well, maybe, yeah, that's now past. Winds northwest, southwest, 20 to 25 kilometres, becoming 25 to 35 kilometres, tending west. Tomorrow, 21 degrees with a minimum of 13 degrees. Very, very small chance of rain, as indeed the same for Tuesday, about 20 degrees. Getting warmer again, Anth, um, as we head into summer. 27 degrees on Wednesday, 33 degrees on Thursday. I love that. 18 degrees today, 33 degrees on Thursday. And then Friday, they're predicting 36 degrees. I was in Darwin recently. And if you look at the weather for Darwin, of course, you know, it's the tropics. It is a very different climate to what we have here. But the contrast is amazing. 27 to 35 every day for the foreseeable future, according to the, um, every day. the weather app in Darwin. 
they would just let you. Yeah. The, the, the Darwinites would love it down here. This fluctuation in temperature. Yeah, exactly. They'd be saying, "Oh, thank goodness! Can we please just have something that changes?" Yeah, yeah. Let's drop the temperature just by thirteen bit. degrees. If you're heading out on the water, you'll be interested to know what the tides are doing at Point Lonsdale, which of course um, represents our fair heads. Um, it's going to be a high tide at one fifteen p.m. of 0.48 metres. Oh, no, sorry, that's going to be a low tide of 0.48 metres, and it was high tide at around 7.30 this morning. So we're heading up towards... Well, we're heading down towards a low tide now. Um, Swellnet says strengthening westerly winds and creating tricky surf conditions across the Victoria coast. So it's not tricky. 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 That's a technical term, isn't it? It is a technical term. Yeah. What do you think that means within a a surfing context? Tricky. Fall off the board a lot. You think? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least for me it would be. So you've picked up some very interesting things, I see. Um, Well, yeah, just a little bit of news. Um, We've had Cade on the um, Cade Mills on the show recently talking about the Great Victorian Fish Count. I just want to remind you all to put in your diaries Saturday, December 15, 10am to 12 noon. Uh, snorkel activity happening at Portsea Pier. For those who are interested in doing the Great Victorian Fish Count, this should be seen as an introduction. It does cost a little bit of money, 10 bucks per person, but you can um, find out all about that just by um, punching into your favourite search engine, the Great Victorian Fish Count, and that will take you to Victorian National Parks Association. So again, December 15, get down there, lots of fun at Portsea Pier to learn how to count fish. Will cost you ten bucks, but um, I think it would be well worth it. And what was the date? December fifteenth. So it's a couple of weeks off. So yeah, so you've got time to kind of think it through. Yeah, to put it in your diary. Yep. Um, invite your friends. Tell everyone to go down there. What else you got? What else have I got? I, I, well, I don't have a lot. I mean, one small piece I could talk about. Oh, horseshoe crabs. Yeah, you know about? Ho- I, I, do you know about? I would love to hear about this one. Do you know about horseshoe crabs? A little bit. Yeah, you see them in um, the you know the crustaceans. They are. Um, Cape cod. North America, you see mm-hmm. them on the beach a lot. Um, they yeah, represent ancient fossils, really. I mean, living ancient fossils, 450 million-year-old horseshoe crabs. If you can't picture it, I'm doing a bad um, job describing it. No, no, uh, okay, look no it up. if you think of, like, mm-hmm. think of a horseshoe, and they look like an armoured horseshoe filled in. Yeah, that's that, right. Does that work? It does, yeah, right, it does cool. work. Anyway, horseshoe crabs, um, like... Well, all crustaceans have special kind of... Often the blood is a bit blue. It's got copper in it instead of iron, as we have. But anyway, the now, other property just, about... Can you say that one a bit more slowly? Because I reckon a lot of people out there go, huh, what? what? Well, what? Our, our blood's red. Yeah, because? Because um, haemoglobin, which is the protein which captures oxygen and transports it around our body, has iron in the middle of it, and that iron which makes it red. bingo, yeah. And um, a lot of invertebrates, in particular um, crustaceans, have blue blood. And they have that because they have, instead of iron at the centre of that protein, they have copper. And copper um, does a good job as well of capturing, helping their proteins to capture oxygen, transport yeah. around the butter, but around the blood, and hence, around the body, um, and hence their blood, if you want to call it blood. Another proper name for it is hemolymph, but it's the whole stuff that circulates within their body. Don't have a closed circulatory system, don't have blood vessels and all of that, but they just have this kind of soup which does the job of our blood. Happens to be blue. Anyway, the other good thing... <laughs> I just is, love the way... Just happens to be blue. Happens to be happens blue to because be blue. of copper instead of iron. Uh, but horseshoe crabs have been exploited by the biomedical industry for a very, very long time. <sighs> what do you think about that? Well, they've been used for um, making vaccines. There's a, a really... And injectable medi- medications for the past 40 years. And there's a picture here in this paper I'm reading, which is from PLOS Biology, uh, which came out on October 12th, entitled Saving the Horseshoe Crab. 
Um, so I'm sure you could get to that if you're interested. But there's pictures here of people with a whole lot of horseshoe crabs lined up and bleeding them. <gasps> oh. For their blood. Um, well, anyway, now scientists have developed <laughs> a, a, a synthetic um, analogue, if you like, of um, the thing which is in the horseshoe crab blood and they can use that for endotoxin detection. So in the past, horseshoe blood, horseshoe crab blood mm. was used to detect endotoxins, bacterial screening, that kind of thing. Mm. Vaccines, very, very good properties. And now there are synthetic alternatives which are on the horizon. So perhaps wow. the horseshoe crabs won't they be... They can live um, in peace. They can, they can live in peace <laughs> and in harmony and they can, the to, they can crab. listen to Joni Mitchell for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Uh, you're on Radio Maranoa. It's about 12 minutes past, um, what is it, 9 o'clock? <laughs> yeah, 9am. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of... Um, this, is a, this is a band, and, and I'm going to see how this one works because you never know when I try and do different things with technology, Dr Beach. Um, this I'm is, nervous. Uh, this is The Woods. They're a local band. Um, this, they've got an EP launch, actually, on Bar 303 next Saturday night. And if, if I do this justice, this is actually a, a really neat little track called Broken Boy. And I didn't do it justice at all because I forgot to queue up the wrong end of it. We're going to play Archie Roach and we'll be back later with that one. You're on Radio Marinara on 3 Triple R, and we are joined by the inimitable Terry Allen who is somewhere in the wilds of South Australia. Good morning, Terry. How are you? Very well, very well. Now, where are you? <laughs> Well, we, I'm literally sitting in my car in the middle of a farmer's paddock on the outskirts of Mount Gambia, about to uh, teach the final two dives of an advanced cave course. So we're going to go in a little hole and we're going to swim for about 300 metres under the farmer's, uh, under the farmer's uh, land. And so this is, wow, okay. And is it a nice day for going underground in a farmer's <laughs> land in South Australia? <laughs> Well, it's always nice underwater. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's OK. We've got blue, a little bit of blue sky and wind, and we had the most amazing thunderstorm last night. I don't know if you've had it in Melbourne, but it was incredible. Oh, yeah. everywhere and, and rain, lots and lots of rain. Oh, yeah, that one came through. I think the first wave was, what, about one? And then the yeah. second wave is about three, and then the third wave is about six or seven. Oh. Yeah, we had it was big over here. Terry, we yeah, did get yeah. it. it. It it was nice and wet. Uh, yeah, Doctor Beach here, how are you going? Yeah, oh, good things, Doctor Beach. Yeah, no, it was it was it was quite spectacular. So it was nice to wake up this morning and put a few white cockatoos flying around through the pine forest and very okay. Pleasant. Hey, so, now it's the start of summer. Where should yeah. um, where should people go diving? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've had we've had some good drive conditions, but like typical Melbourne weather, it's been very uh, up and down. Um, but the and I'm sure you've got in this with Kate of, of the weeks, but the nudibranchs at Blair Gowrie are just going off. There, I, I don't know how many species they've counted there now. I think it was 30 or 40 or something insane. So that's always very nice, and a few cuttlefish there, and all that, and seahorses and the usual friends. Um, but, yeah, I think the good thing to think about with summer is to get back into there slowly, check all your gear out properly, maybe get it serviced, 
make sure you can fit back into your wetsuit or your dry suit. <laughs> <laughs> Especially before Christmas, that's probably easier than after Christmas. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, do before Christmas. And uh, yeah, I go off for a nice short drive, one of the piers, or, you know, I. I would go, we just go down to South Road Brighton and live in the area and it's a nice little reef there to just do a bit of checkout stuff. And um, otherwise, yeah, jump on a charter boat, go out to the heads. There's been some very nice diving um, on the walls. And oh, and of course, also the crayfish, crazy crayfish season has opened. And uh, so there's been a few nice uh, big, uh, sadly in some ways, but I do like eating them. Um, <laughs> Some big bugs uh, have been caught, and if you're going to go crow fishing, you, don't forget, you do need a fishing license, and you also need a tag. So you, when you catch the crow, you've got to tag it. Um, so that, uh, yeah, and then you know, I think you log on on the web, and then you can log on what you caught and how big it was, and all that yeah. stuff. And, yeah. and Terry, people don't need to um, be putting on tanks and the full scuba gear to um, appreciate our bay, do they? They can go snorkelling and you know, places like Ricketts Point, all sorts of places around the bay where they can just chuck yeah. on a snorkel mask, yep. have Ricketts a look under Point. the water. Yeah, uh, Ricketts Point and Jawbone is good. And um, yeah, and even the piers there, the pier is good. You can, uh, the water's clear and um, yeah, there's plenty to see on the pond. And even by Gowrie, there's beautiful coloured sponges and everything just, just by snorkel. If you want to go out for boat, dive, uh, boat snorkel, um, Pope Fly is gorgeous, which of course has been a marine park for 40 odd years, I think. And um, and then you can also usually go to Kilnaman's Hat to see, to swim with the seals, which is great fun. Fantastic. And there is a um, number of people who, um, or services, people with boats who can take you out to places like Pope's Eye, aren't there? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. There's plenty of charter boats. So, um, yeah, no, it's a good thing. And really good idea to do it before Christmas, because of course after Christmas it all gets a bit crazy down there. <laughs> So it's got a chance and the weather's warm and, um, yeah, so uh, it's nice to, you know, it's nice. I think the water temperature is still pretty chilly. Uh, I'm not sure the latest in the day. I think it's 15 or 16. Yeah, I was going to say, I so, think it's, I saw the, I, for some reason I was looking that up the other day and it's, yeah, 16, 17-ish. It's not got too much warmer <laughs> yet. No, not yet. So it's, uh, it's been, yes, a long, cold winter. <laughs> and, and, and I'm struck but, by the... Summer is coming. <laughs> That's right. And I'm struck, Terry, by the fact that these things we've been describing in Port Phillip Bay, like, you know, Blair Gowrie, Newton Branks and all that, is in stark contrast to what you're about to do. That is, you know, go down through a hole in the middle of a field and go through some kind of lava tube or something, is it? Yeah, no, it's not lava, it's limestone. So this is the, the, the limestone cast, yep. A-A-R-S-T, is the largest actually in the world. So it stretches right up through Mount Gambia, and then right across the Nullarbor Plain. So it's it's pretty massive. Very nice caves out on the Nullarbor as well. But um, it's not uh, completely without its um, uh, former life and even marine mm-hmm. life. We see a lot of beautiful um, sea urchin tests. Lots of sea urchin spines just scattered over the bottom. So, sorry, can some I... places we can... find there's um, giant... Uh, uh, megafauna. So there's been a giant kangaroo skull taken out of wow. here at Tenko. Um, there's some uh, you know, beautiful big femurs and so such. 
um, around in parts of the cave. So just to be clear, though, for, for people, the, the, the urchins you'd be talking about there would be fossils, because it is freshwater, isn't yes. it? So they'd be fossils. Yes, yes. They are fossils. They yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Yes, they're thousands. So when it was the ocean, so yeah, so yeah. Oh, you see, like like layers. You'll you'll see the different layers of the stone and you know the rock, and then um, yeah, the sea urchins are just beautiful, and you can still see all the little um, you know, not a very scientific term, but the little, tiny little bumps on them. You know how a lot of <laughs> yeah, them yeah, have yeah, those yeah. little. It's where their feet protrude. On their, on their chest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the grooves. You see the grooves and the bumps. Awesome. Yeah, and, and the sea... I mean, yeah, you just think... You know, we talk about now about urchin, um, urchin areas and that... Yeah, so that's that's pretty nice. I mean, you see other little skeletons like tiny little bats and you see, you'll see, like, old old entrances and that's where animals would have come in to die, I guess, so... Yeah, All right, we're going to let nice. you. We're going to let you get under there. It sounds like you're just champing right. at the bit to get in there with that class. <laughs> hey, enjoy yourself. Dive safely. Come back out of the cave. Yes. Yep. I will. <laughs> I promise. Thanks, Ed. All right. Thanks, Dr. Beach. See, See you, Terry. Terry. Bye. Bye. Wow, that is such a cool thing. And, and just to imagine her doing that, like uh, what we're doing now, in contrast to what we're doing, you know, hit with the bay and all of that. Going down through a hole in a field, presumably they've got to turn the torches on straight okay, away to see, right, totally. see those sea yeah, urchin tests. And, and what I'm wondering, we didn't get a chance to ask it, but the people who are being instructed in this now, surely there must be a little bit of you know, a bit nervous right well, now about to go down there. But I always think cave diving. Cave diving to me is the more extreme version of, of not, diving. I've not done it. Have and you? Yeah, just just to the ones where you can with you can go with a with an instructor yeah. where you can do like, I forget what the categories are called, but the lower levels mm-hmm. and you just kind of go, wow, it, it's it's a bit like, you know, um, free falling as opposed to skydiving, you know, it's just taking the sport to a slightly further extreme. Hey, you're on Radio Marinara. I'm going to play a quick message and then we're back. I'm t- tell you, I've got to tell you about how Venice flooded. Hey, so uh, about a month ago, did you see on the news that um, there was this huge flood in Venice? Um, I did. By the way, you're on Radio Marinara. Triple R. <laughs> yes, I should have just kicked off. Hey, Dr. Beach. Hi. <laughs> Marinara, Triple R, all that gas. Yeah. Hey, um, did huge, you see Huge that? flood in Venice, huge, did you? Yeah, yeah. You know, t- big... t- tourists with flooding. That was us. Suitcase. You were there. Yes. So, funny, funny story, won't get into the long detail, but... Um, got the, you know, classic 24-hour bloody strike in, in general strike in Italy, so we're stuck in Spain because, you know, that's what Italy does. Anyway, we get there. All, get there all seven the children in tow? Yeah, there's four of them, thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> we get there. We get there at midnight, I'm thinking, and it was the opposite tide. So that, that it was a midday tide. That was the real killer one. Mm-hmm. And then, the, of course, the opposite tide's dying all over there. And then, um, you know, get there, gee, that water's high. Oh, lucky it's not on the path as we're walking our luggage down. We get in, we settle in. Next morning, wake up. And the water is all over everything. <laughs> Thinking, oh, look at that. And they're running the Venice Marathon. <laughs> so I walked out the door, you know, go to the shop, walked out, and, th- and there's a Kenyan running past through the water. <laughs> so they don't stop the marathon, they just run through the water. Anyway, cut a very long story short. Looked at the timetable, you know, thank goodness, being a marine ecologist, you can do these things. Yep. Thought, crikey, we're going to catch a train tomorrow and they're shutting all the ferries. I looked and I thought, it's about a 0.83. Remember... So that's 80, 83 centimetres high tide, which is a very high tide. It was a big... Well, actually, it was an autumn tide, but it was a, a large one. Um, and um, remember, it's at sea level. So 83 centimetres is yeah, a big yeah, one. Yeah. Huge storms, very devastating storms, actually, in northern Italy at that time. A lot of people died. It was, it was a terrible thing. Anyway, that storm surge added another more than 70 centimetres. So in the end, it was 1.56 metres above sea level and so it was over people's knees through the streets 
Wow. And it was remarkable. And so the locals kind of go, ah, oh, it happens all the time. And then, of course, as it kept coming up and coming up and coming up, people going, actually, this one's a bit different. And it was about a two to three decadal scale. It hadn't happened like that since the 80s. So that was through the entire city. I remember seeing pictures of people in St Mark's Square. Oh, no, cafes. It, was, it was everywhere. Like everywhere. So they, if, everyone, if anyone's ever been, they, they put these raised footpaths, because it does happen, put these raised footpaths up. They were taking them down because they were floating away. <laughs> you know, so it makes you think, you know, Venice... Yeah, yeah, it was a glimpse for me into a into a sea level rise future for some of our lower lying suburbs. And you think, gosh, you know, we got if we get in there now, we can adapt to this. And places like Venice, and you know, unfortunately, because it's sinking anyway, <laughs> yeah. and it was built at a sea level that was actually quite a bit lower, five hundred years ago, um, it's in trouble. But it was remarkable to be there during that and kind of go. I reckon this must be a bit unusual. And then, of course, to see on the news that it was the one in a decade, uh, two or three decades. And a a portent of the future. That's what I wondered. Hey, you're on Radio Marinara. We're going to play... I'm going to try again. I'm going to give this a whirl. I'm going to try and play um, The Woods... Uh, off their new EP, this is Broken Boy. This uh, These guys are a local kind of Clifton Hill kind of band, I think. That's pretty local. It is very local. Um, and they're going to play the Bar, Bar 303 down in um, Northcote. Um, they've got their EP launch on um, this Saturday. So let's give this a whirl, see if it works. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the local band. Clifton local Hills. band, yeah. The Woods. The Woods. Hey, um, album EP launch next, um, when is it, next Saturday night at Bar 303. There you go. You're on Radio Marinara. It is 25 minutes to the hour of 10 o'clock. And um, way back in May, uh, Dr. Rebecca McIntosh and Ross, Hol- Ross Holmberg kind of ventured into the studio, or at least didn't. At least we were, they were telling us at, at Radio Marinara about the newly launched Seal Spotter Citizen Science Program from the Port, F- sorry, the Phillip Island Nature Reserve. It's been wildly successful and they've come back to tell us more about it. Welcome back, Beck and Ross. Thanks Thank you, Ed. Thanks, Dr. Beach. Now, look, before we get into what you've been doing with the Seal Spotters Program for the last six months, in case anyone missed it, what is Seal Spotters Program? Seal Spotter is our citizen science project. So basically we wanted a better way to estimate pup numbers out on all the fur seal colonies and uh, we wanted other people to help us do the work and to make people feel good. (laughs) And what do people do? Like, what, what, do they go out there on the colony? No, that's the whole thing. It's... um. We can get all this information without causing any disturbance to the seals and the birds. So basically we load up images from a drone onto Seal Spotter Portal and people count the seals for us from the luxury of their own homes. It feels like they're out there, doesn't it? It feels like they're out there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so, so you, you basically you log in, you create a, 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 you know, your own um, entry and then you, um, what, you count the seals for you? You identify seals? You, what do you do? Yeah, exactly. So... Um, yeah, they, they, they log on to the seal spotter portal and uh, they look at the images from the drone and then they're just clicking on the seal. So they're telling us essentially, uh, is that a rock or a seal and what kind of seal it is. So when we get a lot of those, that gives us a, a really, really good overall estimate of the, the colonies. So Now, when you say what kind of seal, do you mean fat one, thin one or do you mean species? Uh, no, more the age class. Ah. So the, the 
pups, the juveniles, adults. Um, so to, to distinguish between those is the, is the best way for us to do it. So the pups, counting the pups is, um, you know, something that Beck and the other researchers have been doing for a really long time. Uh, it's the best way to estimate the, po- the, the entire population of the uh, colony because most of the adults are sort of out at sea at any one time. So the pups are the ones that are staying there. Uh, and so it gives us a better idea of how many seals are really are active at that colony, even though they may be at sea. Mm-hmm. Um, and also how successful that breeding season was. So that that's the best thing to follow. So, and you're you're like the, the lead techie, Ross. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Beck's kind of the yeah. science. I'm yeah, the, the dreamer, the, and he's the, the brains dr- trust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And so you just happen to drop in a key toy word there: drones. Yeah. So hang on. So you guys are flying drones over these colonies, taking these yeah, photos. We're both yeah, we're both licensed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're you're just drone pilots. <laughs> <laughs> that's we exactly. say that whenever we go to a party. <laughs> What do you do? Oh, I'm a drone pilot. I'm a pi- no, I leave the drone out. I just say I'm a pilot because I think that's way cool. <laughs> and these, these yeah. drones are going out. You said Australian first seal colonies. So Phillip Island is, is one that you know, many people will be familiar with. I know there's like down off Wilson's Prom, there's a couple. Mm-hmm. So where are spread all the way across the southern coast you're looking at? So in January 2017, with um, collaboration with Monash University, we did a, a comparison across um, multiple sites in Victoria from... Cape Bridgewater all the way through to the Skerries near Mallacoota. Yep. Uh, but the technique itself works best at the colonies that are more open mm-hmm. uh, because when you get really bouldery, cliffy areas, it's harder to get good estimates because there's pups under rocks and things oh. like that. Mm-hmm. But that's okay because you can use a few key sites to monitor more regularly over time to get an idea of what the, the population as a whole is doing. And so when you are piloting it, you, you know, you kind of, you, you can take, you can fly it over, but you can't, like, fly it in on an angle to take a picture <laughs> under the rock. <laughs> you know, you That's haven't got right. that I right. think, uh, basically, we've done trials to work out what the best height is to fly the drone so that we're not causing that obvious disturbance. So I was just going to ask, do the drones scare the hell out of, like, they annoy the not hell out of me? Not the way we fly them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're very like, careful about that when we, when we, yeah. So what is the height that, that they're at, like, 100 metres or something? For a small phantom, it's only 40. That's a technical term. Phantom. Small phantom. <laughs> is that like a okay. brand, or is that like it pretty much? Yeah, it's a it's a model. It's the it's the most common one that people use, right. uh, and it's a pretty small. It's it weighs about two kilos, or oh. no, it's one point four or something. And they got really high res cameras on. Right. It's yeah. surprisingly high res. Yeah, yeah. the technology is pretty ridiculous at the moment. So when you say forty meters, you fly at forty meters above the colony. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And yeah. So that that's with a pretty small one. With the bigger one, so we've stepped up to a bit of a bigger one now. We're flying a fair bit higher. What, what's that name? We've got to say that. Like, what is it oh, called? Sure. Something cool. Uh, Matrice. It's pretty. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, know. <laughs> I was thinking for something that was a bit of a step up yeah. from that. No, we're you're thinking of having a competition to yeah, name yeah, our drones, actually. That's true. Hey, drone drone face. Let's drone face. Drone face, yeah. Let's get to the actual data because you guys aren't doing this because you want to be pilots. <laughs> um, has anyone actually logged in and counted seals? Yeah, we have oh, cool. 644 no way. at last cool. count, but I think it might be even a few more now, and they're all over the world. And so this is since you launched. This just this like only six months ago. Yep. Wow. And we've had had, what, over 18,000 images, so that includes replicates. So some of our images have been counted up to 100 times, which is amazing for data 
you know. So you can yeah, you can really verify that. It, yes. Yeah, that is a seal, not a rock. Exactly. That is a That's big right. one, not a little one. That's right. Hey, I'm going to read you a quote. So here's some quotes from some of the people who've been doing this because I, I just think this shows you what counting counting the seals is a lot like doing an addictive puzzle with the joy of knowing that what I'm doing is helping out the researchers and with luck the fur seals. And here's another one. I found it quite relaxing and felt <laughs> pleased I was contributing to something <laughs> worthwhile. Yeah. I loved seals water so much that I became addicted. <laughs> I love watching the amount of seals. I counted slowly increase. We'll have we, to get a seal spotter anonymous. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm wondering, are you creating like a yeah. subculture of if people who have got trouble? Uh, <laughs> well, we're, we're very um, cautious. You know, we're not going to go down the gamification road. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, oh, why not? Oh, so well, you know, the thing is, I mean, got to keep the science good. Got to keep the science uh, good. The things I got out of this feedback, out of your um, citizen science collaborators, was that you know they're probably doing puzzles and they're probably doing Sudoku. You know, That's uh, anyway. Right. And this yeah. is kind of a cool thing to do. That's kind of like that, mm. but it's creating real data. It exactly. is. And we're also picking up entanglements, so animals yeah. that are caught up in marine debris. And for the first time ever, we're able to get a proper incidence count. So previously, we'd land on the site, all the seals would run in the water, and we wouldn't really get accurate or precise counts. Definitely hard to, to look at over time for trends. But now we can count all the animals there, number that have entanglements, and get a proper incidence. And that means we can look at trends over time. So we can see if any of the management we're doing around plastics and things yeah. like that is working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the things that, the, say, the fishing industry is putting in place around stopping things falling That's off right, boats yep. or picking up nets, all that kind of stuff. That's right. You can start to actually yeah. test. And, wow. the, and the other side of it is, I mean, the, the feedback that you just read out really highlights sort of, you know, we, we do this a lot for the research side of things. But, um, but, you know, the nature parks as a whole, we try to, we try to do conservation. And, mm -hmm. and a big part of that, a big part of what we believe in is communicating to the public and you know we can we can sort of sit in our silo and do our research but to actually get people involved in it and and seeing the seals and getting a little bit involved and you know that's sort of generally what we do as, as an organization so that we, we think has a much bigger effect so that's what we want to do at the same time so we, we're sort of we're, we're going to twofold about it mm, yeah and i have to say i really love like as a scientist i don't often get community appreciation you know yeah. a lot of the work mm. we do is kind of behind the scenes yeah, yeah. and we speak to managers and government mm -hmm. but it's just been wonderful to get members of the public writing to us and saying we really like what you're doing it, it's so rewarding do you have like a, an open day so people who can who, who have been engaged in this can come in and meet you and see some of the data that you're collecting yes we have an open day and we have um the penguin foundation which is one of our sponsors they have an open day as well i recently gave a presentation there and we're going to have an annual pup count we need to name it something really cool yeah and yeah. that'll be phantom Maybe. Phantom. <laughs> Phantom pop. We'll, get a, lot, we'll get a lot of Marvel fans. Yeah, actually, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Dressed up. This might scare the hell out of the planet. Um, I, I noticed also that you have seal spotters all, like literally all over the world. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I, want, I want complete coverage by the end of the next year. <laughs> every <laughs> continent, every country. Every continent. Yeah. Every they actually country. do come from every continent. Mm -hmm. We've got every continent. Do we have Antarctica? Oh, okay. We don't. Antarctica. Well, it depends. Well, I, ha I have someone down. Here who there who is logged on yeah. to say, yeah, Davis. It took Metallica a long time to get to Antarctica. It did, yeah. So, <laughs> seriously, how many countries have you got? It looks like you've covered about... Oh, 
I can't remember. Don't, how many don't try and throw a number out there. It's no. pretty high. It's, high. it's, it's yeah. dozens and dozens it, it is, of yes. countries globally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's remarkable. Yeah, if you look at the map, it's the, the distribution's really yeah. is really good. And we we've gotten you know feedback from those people in in France and England and all that, and they're, mm-hmm. they're really enjoying it. And too. of course, if, if you're involved in Seal Spotters, you know that it's being run by scientists. So there will be distribution maps of the people mm-hmm. who actually log in, and it will be there'll be dem- demographics and metadata, and you'll actually be able to study yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, like, I like the person who said they were from Hamburger, Melbourne. I thought that was pretty oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't force we don't force people to tell us where they're from. So they've, yeah. we've got a few joke ones in there. Oh, someone from Pluto as well. Yeah, <laughs> Pluto. Just one, um, one really quick technical question: Do you have to go in and verify any of the data or the, the observations that people are making? Um, yeah. So so um, with, with most of them, there, there are enough counts on the one image that you know, if anyone was to just draw a silly image or something with the dots, that's fine because it's it's so different to everyone else's count of that image. So um, the the sort of initial way we have to verify them is just to see who, how many people agree. Um, so it's it's a little bit more complicated than just getting an average, but um, for each yeah. image we but can... But it, it is a numbers game, really. Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a numbers game, yeah. yeah. And the more numbers... Which makes get, sense. And people, sense. Yeah. when people log on, they can say whether they think they're an expert or whether they think they're yeah. new at it too. So yeah. Yeah. there's different ways we can look at how... It's and sensational. So effectively, yeah, I mean, you basically get... It's, it's, you've crowdsourcing... You know, mm. integrity yeah. and data integrity. It's a great, it's a fantastic. Now, we what see it as a collaboration, yeah. you know. Now, uh, we're just kind of, the last thought is, um, you know, as researchers, you're going to be interested in the kind of, the, you know, the stuff you get out of it. And I know it's probably too early to look for patterns, but what is the kind of piece of data that you're most excited about that's emerging? Well, we'll have a paper submitted soon by Corinna Sorrell on a student with Rowan Clark at Monash. And um, the most exciting bit about that is that the precision of the, the drone counts was better than the traditional methods. Oh wow! From so being compared, we've compared four different techniques. Wow! And, uh, and yeah, we're so excited. And that's using citizen scientists. Yeah. Love it, love it, fantastic. Now, if people <laughs> want to get involved, now that you've done the the, the second follow-up ad, now we're going to come back in a year, yeah. okay, and hear sure. the next instalment. Well, we want to come back sooner than that. We want to spruik the pup count in uh, in March. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah so absolutely. over the summer is is when the breeding season is. We're going to get some more data there, and we're yeah. going to we're going to push for more people to count. Okay, so yeah. cool. That's the phantom pup count. Perhaps <laughs> you could call it the Radio Marinara pup count. Ah. <coughs> what do you think, Doctor Birch? Anyway, uh, <laughs> hey, now, um, how do people get involved? What do they What do they got to look do to, to uh, find out? So, so the website is is kind of long, but um, if you just Google Seal Spotter, so it's a pretty easy thing to remember. Just put in Google Seal Spotter, and oh, I know my my browser engine. is is biased. Oh yeah, sorry, search engine. My, I know my <laughs> browser's a bit biased towards it, but um, it generally comes up as the first the okay. first result. So, and if you want to look at our first newsletter, you can just um, search for Seal Spotter newsletter, and you'll be able to see. And yeah. you can go through the Phillip Island Nature Parks as well. That's right. If you and want. there's a good, there's we'll a video introduction. It'll show you how to do it, and so yeah, it's really easy. And we'll stick it on our um, our Facebook as awesome. well, so people have it. Hey, thanks so much for coming in and thanks updating for having us, on us. Wildly successful program. Yeah, it's thanks. very exciting. Why Australians? Been a lot of it in the news lately. New Zealand, um, around Victoria, um, mm. Australia, and mm. we have we're very fortunate to have on the phone this morning um, David Donnelly. Dave is from is the manager of Killer Whales Australia, marine wildlife consultant. He's been on this show a number of times before, and knows what he doesn't know about whales um, is not <laughs> worth knowing. So, Dave, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we today? Good, oh, we're, we're, we're pretty well. Thank you very much for coming on the show and sport, speaking to us just for a few minutes. But yet, as I said, um, lots of strandings lately. Pilot whales, I seem to gather mostly. The odd humpback whale, a couple of sperm whales in New Zealand. What's the deal? 
Well, that's a very, very good question you, you raised there. Um, yeah, what we're looking at here is mostly oceanic species and mostly dolphins. Uh, pilot whales are dolphins, yeah. and uh, as are pygmy killer whales, which is the other species that's stranded in northern uh, New Zealand, and a few uh, stray humpbacks and sperm whales here and there. So, yeah, look, it's, it's really a conundrum to work out, and I guess the only way to know if they're related is to do a thorough investigation on all uh, events and hopefully something might be learned from these uh, these uh, necropsies and investigations. But uh, there's a few uh, ideas being thrown around, natural um, tectonic movements. I don't like to use the word seismic because people often relate that to uh, human impact and it's not necessarily going to be related to that. So those sort of things can be, uh, I, I guess, theorised about in terms of how they affect whales and dolphins and whether or not they may result in mass stranding events. Hey Dave, it's Anth here. Um, one of the things that I'm always intrigued about is, you know, whether it is an increase in actual strandings or it's an increase in us hearing about the strandings, you know, people bumping into them in places they normally wouldn't because we're out and about more. Um, and and do, you, do you reckon it's a real actual increase or we're just getting better at picking up when these strandings are happening? I think there could be a little bit of both. Um, for one, yes, people are walking around our coastlines a lot more often and a bit more adventurous and investigating other areas with the advent of drones, more aircraft moving across our coastlines. And also social media is just uh, just explodes any sort of information, um, particularly things like this where there's a lot of interest generated. Mm. Um, and certainly um, this is the time of year we would expect strandings to start occurring, particularly around Tasmania and New Zealand. They're, they're real hotspots. But as for Victoria, a mass stranding of that nature has not happened since 1983. Yeah. Um, and for what it's worth, in a very uh, similar location in the same region of Victoria. So we could be even looking at um, geographical features which might uh, result in animals being in a certain place as opposed to another. Um, or we could be looking at something ecological in a system whereby animals are following prey up onto the plateau, Did you? i.e. off the shelf. And, and you said 83. Now, 83 was that really big, bad El Nino, and we're heading into another, which is shaping up to be um, a, a formerly another large-ish El Nino. You know, you just wonder, as you say, whether it's changes in oceanic patterns and, you know, they find themselves in a different spot where they are and then there's suddenly a geographic, um, you know, thing that, you know, I mean, I just does anyone ever study those patterns at that scale? And, and look, what you're doing right now is exactly what we, we scratch our heads about. We throw all these ideas around yeah. and things start to line up. And El Nino, yes, perhaps there's an effect on cetaceans or perhaps it's their prey that come close yeah. to the shore and disoriented animals. In 1983, they were false killer whales. Not that dissimilar to pilot whales. Certainly it's sharing the same space um, in terms of the ocean, but also uh, having a slightly different diet. But yeah, strandings are incredibly unique in their own form, each individual stranding. Um, certain ones are uh, expected in certain locations, like uh, Farewell Point at Nelson in Queensland. Uh, sorry, in New Zealand, um, Strawn, Tasmania. Yes, those sort of areas expect strandings around these time of year. But for Victoria to have a mass stranding of blackfish, and blackfish is a category of cetacean, um, black as, you, as the name suggests. Um, it's really quite uh, unusual, as, as demonstrated by the, the last one, which was 1983. And yeah, I mean, who knows? It's a, there's a whole range of uh, possibilities there, including illness within groups, um, anthropogenic threats, as you say, El Nino effects, um, EAC movement, and of course the uh, undersea movement of tectonic plates, i.e., natural, natural seismic. Dave, you just used the um, the 
acronym EAC. What is that? Uh, the East Australian Current. Oh, sorry, um, East Australian Current, right. You know, okay. the one in, yeah. in, in... Well, yeah, all right, OK. In, yeah. You know, what's that film you know with the Nemo? fish? And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and the stranding in Victoria, my mind has just gone blank. Where, where was that recently? Uh, the one in Victoria was on in East Gippsland, uh, just south of Malakuta. That's uh, right. It, as, yeah, it's sort of south, I guess it's sort of southwest. Crouching really, on Cape Rock Conran. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, down towards those areas. Wing, winging in there. Yeah. yeah, exactly, that, that region there, which is, as we all know, uninhabited and rarely visited. Uh, I, I believe it was an aircraft that spotted the animals on the beach the night before the uh, wildlife officers were able to attend. So, um, yeah, you know, it, it never happens conveniently. At remote locations, usually on a Friday night, um, when people are knocking off work and so forth, so it becomes really hard to investigate and launch these uh, responses. But the, the managers uh, of, of wildlife in Victoria have done an excellent job in getting to the site. Um, doing what they have been able to do so far and now hoping for perhaps some results which you can compare to the New Zealand events and see if at all we can sort of look at any linkages there between possible causes that might be across this Tasman region. I know I know you guys keep track of this stuff. So, Dave, is there anything, if, you know, listeners are out and about and they're in a secluded beach and they find a whale and or a whale, bunch of whales stranded, well, who do, who do people call? Well, the first port of call is to call the Department of Environment, Land, Water and Planning. Um, I have a phone number if you want me to give that to you. Yeah, do that. That number is 1300 136 017. 1-300-136-017. And that's for whale and dolphin emergencies only. That's entanglements and strandings, not for seals. Gotcha. I'm going to stick that on our Facebook. Dave, thank you very Absolutely. much for joining us this morning. Um, we've got to wrap it up and get out of here for the doctors who are... Amassing. Bre- amassing, breathing <laughs> down our necks. All the very best to you. And, um, yeah, we'll, um, we'll talk to you soon. We love having a chat to you. Um, Dave Donnelly from Killer Whales Australia. This is Radio Marinara on 3RRR. Indeed it is, and we're going to play a... Uh, well, but we're not, actually. We're not playing anything else. That's it. That's it. That's, that's the show. Hey, now, we that, didn't get a chance wrap. to talk about that amazing Norwegian sponsored oh, yeah, ship. Yeah, the, the Norwegian sponsored ship by a um, Norwegian shipping magnate. Well, no, no, he's made, made lots of money. He's a billionaire. Um, you, it, it's pretty damn impressive. It's are you in called, next week? I'm, I'm in next week, oh, yes. I, I, I will week. share this with you all, dear listeners, next week, and I look forward to that very much. It is um, It is quite a remarkable ship. A couple of helicopters. Two helicopters, ROVs, remote underwater vehicles. You can drop things off the helicopters going down to the sea. It's got all sorts of stuff. It's, it's, it's even got luxury and it's even yeah, got but, art. But does it have drones? Oh, it's got <laughs> drones anyway. out the wazoo. Hey, hey, thanks so much to our guests. Thanks to um, Rebecca McIntosh, Ross Holmberg, Dave Donnelly. Thanks to you, Dr Beach. Terry Allen, our dive Terry reporter, Allen. who will at this moment be in a cave. And uh, we'll, um, well, you'll see everyone next week. I'll see everyone next year. See ya. Bye. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.